Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater out here in Massachusetts. And today is Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018, and it's the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we'll be reading from the big book, and we are on page 62, the second paragraph, which begins, So Our Troubles. And we'll be focusing all comments on that paragraph only. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Cordelia W., 12 Traditions, Esther F., and the readers of the text are Rachel W., Lisa B. and Susan H. The share IDs for yesterday, Tuesday, May 22nd, are for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 11443, 11,443. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 11,444, 11444. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Cordelia W. to read OA's 12 steps. Good morning. This is Cordelia W. from Florida, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, 
may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you very much, Cordelia W. Now, now ask Esther F. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to, to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you very much, Esther S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 62, 
the second paragraph only, which begins, So Our Troubles. And I will ask Rachel W. to get us going. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. There is so much here. I don't have to even um, comment on it. Um, this is Rachel Delby, Recover Compulsory Reader, calling from New York. And um, there is just so much here in this paragraph. And the first thing that comes up for me is that, um, you know, the self-will that I have, had, whatever, um, is really based on an acceptance issue. You know, as an addict, my one of my, probably my main dilemma is who do I become when I don't get my way? And um, so self-will was always about how I thought things should be. And didn't it make sense that um, that it meant that, you know, the solution to my problem was uh, was more resource bars? Like, that that makes sense to me, you know. And, and, um, and just in other ways, my food is such a barometer of where I'm at in my emotional and spiritual life, even in abstinence. You know, I can, I can see myself, you know, thinking that, um, you know, I can measure it this way, I can measure it that way. I don't know if anybody on the line has ever used a manual scale. It's like it could become a whole endeavor, like, you know, making, you know, is that needle higher, lower, whatever. But the point is that um, I, I just have to know that my self-will is still running right. <laughs> it's still there, but... But the miraculous thing and the amazing thing about this program is, and these steps in particular, is that I can actually have moments where I'm aligned um, my God's will, knowing that, and I don't mean to sound like I'm some kind of, you know, uh, out there person, but the truth is that I, I, I know the difference. There's, a, there's absolutely, and not only me, I think people in my life can see a difference, and I'm submitting my will to what is and accepting what is and detaching from situations and people in a way that um, allows them their own process. And, and um, you know, just the idea that, you know, having these, these convictions and thinking, I know better than this, I know better than this, I think there's no bigger hell than the hell of step one, which is like knowing what I should be doing and not doing it, you know, <laughs> all those like things that I, I used to think, you know, um, I knew and, and yet here, here in in, uh, in our steps in our in our book in our program, you know, I see I see that I really don't know, and it is about giving myself over to a higher power. In the very beginning of my abstinence, it was my sponsor. You know, my higher power is everywhere. It's in the literature. It's in you. It's in this meeting. It's it's um it's always you know God speaking to me in different ways. So, um, I'm just really grateful that I read this today and that I'm reminded that um that you know. I can, there is a way, there is a way for me to pull back. My sponsor, Ellen, with this, you know, I have, I have anorexic tendencies as well. So I know if I'm, if I'm binging on something, it means I don't want to feel. And if I'm restricting on something, it means I want to control. So um, I absolutely remember me being in both of those situations in my eating career. And, um, and it was always about turning myself over to something else and um, 
this program saved my life. So thanks for allowing me to share. I'll pass that. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much, Rachel W., for kicking us off. All right. Who else would like to comment? Matt M. Larry. Harlan G. Harlan G. Vasa O. Marion. Who was the Mary? Was there a Mary? Marion. Marion. Marion H. H. Vasa O. Okay, I think Raquel. All right, I think that's a perfect number to begin with. Matt, Larry, Tenzin, Harlan, Marion H., Vasa O., and Raquel. All right, good morning, Matt. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is nothing but compulsive over here. So our troubles and things are basically of our own making. You know, it's true. I'm very egocentric when I'm in the food, when I'm struggling. And um, I learned not to, I don't care about other people, only about myself. And um, I learned that, you know, it's all about me. Nothing, nothing, nobody else matters. And I learned that um, I learned that at a young age, the way I grew up. And uh, um, I have to be rid of that selfishness. I'm looking to help other people, even though I'm still not recovered. I'm looking to get out of my own self because my own head is filled with all these different things that are not good for me. So I trust my higher power to help guide me to the right path in order to get me to where I need to be, you know. It's true. God does make that possible. Um, I'm feeling much better every day, and I'm working towards the, towards the goal of um, finishing my work, this step work, and I'm taking it one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share. Well, thank you, Madam. Larry Kay, good morning. Did I hear you, Larry, today? Oh, there we are, Anita. I'm <laughs> here so we sorry. are. I, I'm here. <laughs> here I, I am. Didn't know when you were. Okay. Yeah, Let's I'm go. here. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Um, Larry K. Recovered Compulsible Reader this morning. You know, what comes to mind when I read this is this notion of, of self-sabotage, because when I'm operating in my own will, it's as though I'm biologically mandated to sabotage myself. And it, it was so for me with the eating. And it didn't matter about any philosophy I had or any, you know, moral underpinning that I ascribed to, you know, I, I continued to do the very things that I didn't want to do. And I couldn't stop from doing, you know, those things that I, I really needed to stop doing. And so I continued to sabotage myself. And the interesting thing about that is, and I sabotaged myself through eating, no question. I took a a, a normal instinct beyond that which it was intended, but I also sabotaged myself with procrastination. I sabotaged myself with um, the, the manner in which I pursued the social instinct in relationships. And I needed alignment. I needed an alignment with a power greater than myself. And what we read in these paragraphs is that our mind cannot, our sick mind cannot uh, change us no matter how many books I read, no no matter how many philosophical ideas or thoughts that I had. I could not change myself. I needed a power greater than myself to change. And how was I to find that power? 
how ironic that I was going to find that power, not through thinking about that power, not through pr praying to that power necessarily. I was going to find access to that power by working the 12 steps and taking action after action after action day in and day out. Oftentimes for me, with great emotional and physical uncomfortability, and I had to be willing to do that. And when I did that, and when I continue to do that, living in these steps, I become these steps. They're a way of life. I continue to have access to that higher power that guides my thinking. You know, my prayer is God, every morning, I was in the shower this morning, and my prayer is the same. Among others, it's God, guide, guide me direct my thinking, keeping it divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Now, I could say that prayer all day long, but without the action and the steps, there is no access to that power. The power doesn't flow to me. It was only through the steps the power flows. Then the prayer, I can do the things that God would have me do. Thank God for that. With, with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Tenzin P, good morning, and then it'll be Harlan. Mm, good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzin P here calling in from near New York City. Um, so here we are, we're making the approach to the third step in this paragraph, but it keeps being hammered in about the, the underlying, under, underneath the problem with the food is that my life has been unmanageable, uh, the self-centeredness and the selfishness and um, that that are troubles are basically of our own making. I was uh, contemplating this paragraph this morning and thinking on a in a certain way, I still take that on faith, even though, yes, it is my experience, but I notice that I'm, you know, there are still places that I deal with emotional resistance to that it's of my own making. And um, I need to keep reminding myself that this isn't about being at fault or blame, blaming myself. It's about taking responsibility. Thank you, God, taking responsibility. Um, and right, though uh, they arise out of ourselves, the alcoholic, compulsive overeater is an extreme example of self-will-run riot, even though she, he doesn't usually think so. So may I continue, this might seem a strange prayer, but, but uh, I can, may I continue to meet and greet and know the self will run riot, not, you know, to um, exacerbate it, to make it worse, but, but so that I can clean it up. If I can't see the dirty spots on the laundry, it's not going to occur to me to put it in the wash and clean it. So, um, one of my teachers says to rejoice every time we see the self-will run riot because it's, it's another piece of opportunity to keep growing. Um, yeah. Mm. I think I'm going to... Oh, yeah. Just about above everything, we alcoholics, compulsive readers, must be rid of this selfishness we must or it kills us. Underneath everything is the self-centeredness. I can't know what form the killing will take, but my life isn't worth living if I'm stuck in the selfish place. It's a lonely cage that I rattle around in. So 
Thank you, God, for this program, and um, I'm going to pass, wishing you all a good day. Thank you so much, Tenzin T. Harlan G., good morning, and then it will be Marion H. Good morning, Anita. It's Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. One of the things that I've learned in my life is that food is never the problem for the compulsive overeater. Food is the solution to the problem for people like me. And if food is the solution to the problem, what is the problem? The problem is the buildup of everyday normal human emotions, which for people like me are so painful that the pain of eating becomes preferable to the pain of not eating. And so I succumb to this time and time again, and I will eat the food in search of the effect. I will trigger the allergy, pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to eat that way again, and I will repeat that cycle over and over and over again. And I look at page 570 in Appendix 3, and Dr. Bauer writes, in this atmosphere, helping others with similar problems, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself, learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself in his work with other alcoholics. He remains sober day by day. The days add up into weeks, the weeks into months and years self-will run riot will produce emotions like fear and resentment and selfishness and dishonesty. And I will lie. I will cheat. I will steal. I will feel sorry for myself. I will engage in morbid self-pity. You know, in my disease, my greatest joy in life is the misery of other people. And the greatest misery in my life is their joy. That's sick, but that's true for me. And in my recovery, when I can reach out to another person and help that person, not because I'm so wonderful, not because I'm so naturally altruistic, but if I can pick up a phone and talk to a suffering person, then those are three, four, five minutes when I don't have to concentrate on poor, unfortunate me. And for those three, four minutes, I am not thinking about food because I'm not feeling that pain. Selfishness will kill me. How does it kill me? Because it drives me irresistibly through the mental twist right into the arms of an Oreo cookie. And the Oreo cookie does the killing work of the illness. It will take me out. It will disfigure me. It will maim me and do things to me that are unspeakable. The only thing I need to do today is to remember this. My real purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. And the results of my life are up to God as long as I'm working for him and not for my sick, selfish, self-involved self. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Harlan. Um, Marion H. and then Vasa O. Good morning, Marion. Yes, hi. This is uh, Marion H. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. 
Okay, thank you so much, Anita, and thank you, everyone on the line. Um, this is a God-given uh, program. So our troubles, we think, are basically our own making. Um, I guess I need to be a, an overeater, a food addict, an alcoholic, for me to know how sick my mind is and how how I finally do know, because I'm in the rooms for a long time, that all my troubles are my own are out of my own making, and self will runs riot, you know. And if I start my day with with God, that's not gonna happen anymore. And and God helped me this morning to pick up the phone and talk to someone. Um, one-on-one, you know, and and that's a miracle because the isolation has been killing me for so long in this program, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be in rec- I want to be recovered, and I want to and I I know God wouldn't want me to suffer the way I have been. I do have a sponsor, and and I'm working the steps, and I'm so so grateful for everyone on the line, and. And I want to be in recovery and and just work this God-given program. And I feel sorry for the people who never entered these rooms. They don't know what they're missing. And uh, thank you very much. And everyone, everyone have a blessed, uh, abstinent day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Marion H. Vasa, and then it will be Raquel. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service and everyone. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, calling from uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. And thank you, everybody, Shea. And yes, this program, it's a gift. It saved my life. It's a miracle program if we just work it. I couldn't do any of this stuff by myself, you know, um, to put the food down and to work through the character defects, I needed to find a power greater than myself and the 12 steps. And I had the gift of desperation, and I was willing. I, I was willing and I was ready. I'm so grateful that I was led into Overeaters Anonymous and the, and the big book. So our troubles, we think, are basically of, basically of our own making. And I didn't think, you know, I was making the troubles. Self will run riot. If people did what I wanted them to do, then my life would go just nice and smooth. I really didn't think. I thought it was everybody else's problem and not mine. And I thank God. I thank God that I found the answer to my problems. I was the problem, but I did not. But then I learned I was. And I read, you know, again, you know, with the food addiction, I tried to put it down so many times. I could not do it. It's not like I didn't do it. I tried many, many times. I just couldn't till I came here and I surrendered. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own willpower. We had to have to find a power greater than ourselves, and that is God for me. I read all kinds of psychology books trying to to fix myself or trying to change myself or trying to change other people. You know, could be my husband. How can we make our marriage work better? You know, I tried to control all that stuff. 
finally I had to let go of the control and put myself in God's hands and put myself into this program and work the 12 steps. And this is the only thing that has worked for me with the food and my life and my will gradually. But I needed to put the food down because I needed to have the clarity for me. This is me. Other people done it differently. And I love to hear everybody else's experience because there's no one way that this program works, you know. But that's what I needed for me to put the food down. It was torture. I didn't want to do it. I was terrified. I'm going to live the rest of my life without having this certain food that I loved. But I did them. It's by the grace of God, one day at a time, one meal at a time, and then working the steps the way they laid out. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks very much, Vasa. All right, Raquel, good, mo- good afternoon and good morning and whatever. You are right. Hi, everybody. Good morning to all of you, and this wonderful afternoon for me to be with my family who understands that the next bite has nothing to do with solving my problem. It has to do with with the queer mental twist for which I, I can already quote every one of you, which helps me only think of what it will do for me and forget totally what did what it did for me to me nine and a half years ago. And I'm not gonna sacrifice the way that I'm going through difficulties now for the best days that I had when I was in the food. So this paragraph is, is very precious to me because it really tells me that one way or another this thing is going to kill me, and it's serious, that either my self-will run riot will kill me or the self-will run riot, which is going to bring on the food so I shouldn't feel so horrible that other people don't listen to me that my poor brother's one year is coming up now, uh, that he's passed away, and that everything, a lot of things that went wrong, I didn't think they should go that way. And God is there. And like I said before the program started, I haven't seen him making faces that he's going to resign anytime soon. So this was, it, it must have been God's will, that this is how things should go. And here, this sentence, God makes that possible. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. The, the syntax, I would like to talk to Bill himself about it or to any of the smart people there. What's the that? God makes what possible? He makes possible that this disease can kill me. Just as he makes it possible that if I choose, because he wants me to have free will, to choose that if I choose life, and I choose to go to him instead of go to cheesecake on this uh, last holiday that was happening here. Uh, If I choose to go to him, he will help me. He will rescue me through all of you and all my good friends here who know where it's at. But if I choose to not listen and to go to the food, that's, I think, what it makes. He makes that possible. It seems like he had enough angels already and he had enough animals and he created us, he created me. So I should be a creature with free will to, to choose between good and bad, life and death. And you are helping me be alive and stay with it 
Thank you so much for all of you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Ray, Raquel. All right, I'm opening it up again. Who else would like to Nancy, share? Um, Nancy H. from the UK. Nancy, Nancy P. Wait a minute. Nancy P. and... Um, Nancy H. Uh, Magdalena oh, Nancy. from the UK. Nancy R. Okay, now... I did so well on the first batch. <laughs> what happened to me? Um... Nancy H. and then tell me the other. There were uh, before Leah. Nancy Who was Magdalena? Nancy P. Daisy oh, P. Okay, okay, okay. Let's stop. Nancy R. Please. Magdalena. Okay, this Craig, is yeah. who I have. This is who I have. Please, I think that's enough. Nancy H. Nancy P. Magdalena. Leah M. Stacy T. And Craig F. All right. Nancy H., good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful recovering, com- recovered compulsive overreader. Um, this paragraph is very meaningful to me for some reason, I guess for everybody else too. So our troubles we think are basically of our own making. When I was into the food um, and I hadn't even recovered, I hadn't gotten through the steps, I thought that everybody else was wrong. And I felt like they were doing something to me that I couldn't handle, so I would eat. And then I realized as I started to wake up through the spiritual awakening that I was the one who was creating havoc. Um, One of the examples, my son was my greatest example, uh, my greatest practice, I should say. He lived with me for a year, and he always said the same thing. Mom, did I ask for your opinion? And that just used to set me back, and I used to hate it when he said it. But finally, I got it. I got it that, you know, God showed me that when he doesn't ask for your opinion, keep your mouth shut. So that was one example. Um, and, and I'm, yeah, I was um, an example of a self-will run riot person for sure. And now I know when, I, when I'm self-will and I'm not, you know, trying to stick close to my higher power sometimes during the day, I hear, Nancy, your self-will run riot. Nancy, your self-will run riot. And I immediately stop and say, yes, I am. I need to change that. But I can't change it. But God can change me. So every morning I get on my knees and I ask God to remove my defects that stand in the way of my usefulness to him and my fellows. And at the same time, I know that I can't do it. The selfishness will kill me. I used to think, well, they're being dramatic. Selfishness will kill me. But it will kill me because I'll get back into my disease. And once I do that, I'm on the way, a slow way to death. So every, above all, it says we must get rid of it, and we must or it kills us. God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of getting rid of it ourselves without his aid. So I used to say, well, I really have to work on my defect of selfishness, and, I, and so I'd say to God, I'm going to work on selfishness today, not asking him what he wanted me to work on, and I'm finding now that when I um, get together with people in my relationships, I can keep my mouth shut, and I can listen, and I can also set them free so that I'm not trying to control everything. And it, sometimes I'm controlling it in my head, but I'm not trying to control it outwardly. Um, and they say, you know, awareness, acceptance, and action. And I'm in the action steps, but I'm not in the action steps by myself. If I didn't have God, I would still be the, the center of self-centeredness, and I would not um, be able to get rid of any of this. And it's not just the selfishness, it's the dishonesty, the 
you know, self-seeking, the resentment, the fear. So I see through my defects, uh, through my resentments and my fears every day when I do my 10th and 11th step. I see um, that selfishness, how how it occurred and manifested itself. And basically it was occurring because I wanted to be the center of the universe. And I thought that the world should revolve around Nancy's mm-hmm. script, and it didn't. So I was very disappointed at first, but now I'm very happy because it's giving me a freedom that I never had before. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nancy H. Nancy P., and then it'll be Magdalena. Hi. Excuse me. Hi, Anita. Thanks for letting me share. This is Nancy P., recovered in Massachusetts, living at one with my creator. Um, Yeah, this, um, this paragraph is all about acceptance. And to me... My, my new awareness of that, of selfishness, and is basically the inability to accept things the way that they are. Before I was, I had periods of, of not eating compulsively, um, and I would get things that I wanted, material things, and I would wonder, why was I still, you know, unhappy? Why was I still enraged? Why was I still, you know, rudderless? And... Um, I only realized that that was because I wasn't motivated. I wasn't able to see things the way that they were and accept them. So, and so my solution would always end up being whether consciously or unconsciously, um, as Harlan said, that I would find my solution in the food and then the cycle would start again. So, um, you know, I had, and there were many, I had many opportunities to, um, you know, to, to learn the lesson. God gave me many opportunities um, in employment and um, with my car. And when I was in high school, I got in a car accident every weekend for two months. And um, I never learned the lesson. And I continued to, like, be a disaster, not hurting anybody, mostly hurting my cars. And um, finally, I came to vision. You know, finally I was in vision and learned that lesson. And I continued to basically live in relapse. I had periods of, I don't even like to say abstinence. I had periods where my body was an acceptable size or where I wasn't eating. But I never had any recovery. So why was I still miserable? And all of it was, you know, my of my own making. I, you know, I've been fired from jobs that I thought I was doing a great, you know, great work. And, um you know, other people that I see that um, I was thinking in particular about um, one of my siblings who has untreated compulsive overeating, who's extremely professionally successful. Um, but I don't like to be, to, I can't stand to be in this, you know, around that person, uh, like for a weekend, I can only take small doses. So, you know, what was the solution? God was the solution. God shows us, you know, that deals us the same hand until we learn the lesson. And the lesson for me was work these steps. And once, once I did that, I got results. And when I didn't do that, I got nothing. And it's the same answer in 12 different ways. And, um, you know, 12 steps, you know, it's always the same solution. Get abstinent, trust God, clean house, trust God, and help others. There's no other solution. And one of those four things is the answer to every problem in my life. So um, I'm so grateful that I've come to Vision. I'm so grateful that I'm on the line, and I'm even more grateful for everybody else. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Nancy P. 
Magdalena. What's the initial of your last name? First initial? Uh, w. 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 Thank you. Um, Thank you for letting me share. It's Magdalena. I'm a recovering member of OA from the UK. Um, Yes, I have a spiritual malady. So it says here, my troubles were basically of my own making. And despite my moral and philosophical convictions galore, I can't live up to them without God's help. It's so true. So, um, example, at the weekend, I was um, running a workshop. And uh, I had all kinds of things coming up that were, I was in bondage of self. I didn't want to run it. I wanted to cancel it. I felt lacking in confidence. And yet God had brought participants to my workshop. And um, I was really quite terrified. And at that point, this is where God's help came in. Someone called me from the event and asked if I would do service. And I practically, you know, that seized seized it like a drowning man sees as a life preserver I said yes and it meant that I had another purpose to be at the event and it completely changed my thinking that being asked to do service and accepting service was that way that God offered me to get out of myself on that day um yeah very grateful thank you for letting me share I thank you very much Magdalena uh, Leah M, and then it'll be Stacy T. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. You know, honestly, uh, I was the biggest obstacle to a better life. Um, you know, my book says that uh, I'm crushed by a self-imposed crisis. And that's exactly, you know, what happened. This self-centeredness had contributed to my failure at life because I had created a whole universe centered around me and what I expected, what I thought should be happening in my life, my specifications, my personal wishes, my demands. I was my own God. Therefore, I really had no other God. And certainly um, my life was one of emotional torture, mental turmoil, physical suffering, and I was miserable because that's the only way I saw the world is through those lenses. My will, you know, manifests by choosing me all the time. And, of course, that created a disturbance. And, of course, every time I was restless, irritable, and disturbed, I would seek the comfort, ease and comfort in a cellophane bag in a bakery box. And this happened over and over and over and over again until finally I threw up my hands and I said, I'm done. You know, I am done. I can't take this pain anymore because the pain of living like this, it ain't living. (laughs) You know what I mean? Hence my uh, nice attempt at taking, uh, uh, you know, a piece of glass and kind of, you know, attempting to uh, slash my flesh. Um, It seems dramatic, but, you know, this disease is progressive. And I was beaten to a pulp. Hence, my book teaches me that when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I did not know I had a spiritual malady. I didn't understand that. I had no tools for living. I didn't realize until someone in whom the problem had been solved took me through this book and told me I'm going to have to be realigned and that when I experience God, 
when the resistance stops. I will experience God when the resistance stops. And through the implementation of these steps in proper sequence, I went from the suffering that I described because I wanted to do it my way and I was going to figure it out through self-sufficiency and I was going to suffer and suffer and suffer. And I went from that to a place called surrender. I'm done. And we go from my mind where resistance lives to a spirit where I was able to get free through the proper realignment of these steps. And, you know, to the extent that I continue to choose the lens of spirituality, then I feel unity and empathy and love and harmony and tolerance and cooperation with all around me. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leah. Uh, Stacy T., and then it will be Craig F. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. <clears throat> Thank you for your service, Stacy T. in Cleveland. And uh, there's <laughs> Leah said just so much. So I'm just going to add just a bit here. But prior to being introduced to a vision for you and specifically the instructions outlined in the big book, I really thought that my self-will um, could I could bulldoze um, people uh, and my selfishness. I knew that I had a deep self-will to not feel fear, anger, resentment, <clears throat> my own dishonesty. I had no idea, even though I read these steps, I had no idea how to implement them. And there was the torture for me that here it is on 62 and it wasn't until I worked <clears throat> with my guide that I understood later in the steps how to implement this because on my own I will divert to easier softer way and it always leads to then restless irritable and discontent Today, I have a choice to align myself, body, mind, and spirit, with a power greater than myself. And I start my morning that way and stay in gratitude to the best of my ability throughout the day. And it certainly is not perfect. And I know that I'm running the show when I start being more invested in outcome whether it's in a grocery store line, whether it's in my workplace, whether wherever it is, if my agenda feels like it, it is um, taking precedent over me being able to hear the voice within that knows the truth to set me free so that I can also be released from the bondage of self. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Stacey T. Craig F., good morning. Frank, I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I got muted. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. How are you this morning? Okay. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, this, uh, uh, these passages that we've been reading, these paragraphs in particular, this one today, um, are... Uh, so important they um they define selfishness for me and 
And, and you know, I thought when I came in that selfishness had to do with the idea that, uh, you know, I took the last cookie <laughs> and, and not that, uh, you know, and that I didn't share. Uh, but really, what I found out was that selfishness had to do with with uh, wanting my own way, with wanting to control uh, events and people. You know, to, selfishness had to do with me telling God what uh, I thought He ought to be doing, and, and then if He wouldn't do it, I would do it for Him. Uh, you know, um, and the same for you. I, I was an example of self-will run riot. Uh, I once chewed a Super, I'm working construction, and I once chewed out a superintendent because he allowed it to rain on his job site. Now, I realized in the middle of my rant that uh, that was insane, so I tried to cover myself by saying, well, you should have been ready for the rain. You should have set it up to drain and covered things up. But uh, the fact was that, uh, you know, I, I was so full of self-will that I thought I could control the weather by my by by the force of my will. One of the reasons this is so important to get these paragraphs that we're in right now, I think, is because it, it, it plays so deeply into the rest of the steps and into this spiritual way of life that we're uh, training to uh, to live. If we don't understand what selfishness is, then when we get down to working our uh, uh, step uh, 9 and especially 10 and 11 we're not going to understand when when we ask the, the four questions in step 10 where was I selfish, where was I dishonest where was I resentful where was I fearful, well the first question where am I, Where was I selfish and, and I need to be able to understand what selfishness is that when somebody cut me off in traffic that uh, and I was I'm upset that they're that the reason I'm upset is they didn't follow my script and they didn't do what I thought they ought to do. That's selfishness, uh, you know, and so I need to understand that. And when I sit down at night to do my uh, 11th step review and I ask myself those questions, uh, you know, um, uh, where, where did I, uh, uh, my mind's skipping a blank there, but, what, what they have to do a lot of them with whether I was selfish and, and whether I was thinking of myself or thinking of others today, and and so if I don't understand this, if I don't get a good hold on this, then it's going to weaken my 11th step review every night. But the nice thing about the 10th and 11th step is by facing these things every day, by facing these things when my um, emotions come up, and uh, in, in doing those steps. Um, God, it, it opens the door for God to work with me and to work on me. Uh, in other words, I don't have to. Um, thank you. I don't have to correct this. I don't have to fix it. I just have to surrender it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Craig F. We have time for two more if they each take two minutes. Darian K. Darian K. Nessa R. Jan S. I don't think we'll get to you, Jan, but I'll put you down here. Okay, Darian K. and then Nessa R. Go ahead, Darian. Hi there, Anita. I'm Darian K. from um, the Berkshires of Massachusetts. I'm so grateful to be on the line um, and to hear everybody sharing. Um, oh, like I feel like 
there's seven deadly sins, but there's like, for me, the big giant one, which isn't even on the list, is being selfish. <laughs> um, don't call me selfish. Don't, don't ever refer to me as selfish, you know. Just, that's just, oh, the worst, right? And <clears throat> um, gosh, I see it so often. And sadly, people point it out to me occasionally or maybe more than occasionally and um you know i really have to take the time to look at it and it can be so well-meaning you know it can be or, or the the controlling part too it can be so well-meaning you know um you know i'm a mother so i should be able to maybe tell you you know what you should do or think um this sounds really and I don't, hopefully I don't offend anybody, but I'm Jewish and I think, oh, I'm a Jewish mother, so I should be able to tell you what I think, you know, blame it on that kind of thing, although I would hate someone to stereotype me. So, you know, that's crazy, just crazy. But I always think in my mind, I have an excuse in my head <clears throat> why I should be able to tell you what to do and how to see something and, or, or to defend um, the ways that I see things and, and, and become you know, sort of that center of the universe. And boy, I, I really work on humility. And before program, I really thought that humility was not good, um, that it was just something uh, bad, a bad feeling. But right now I know it's, it's being right-sized and knowing that I am not God and that I don't have all the answers and that I can be teachable, that I need to remain teachable. Um, it's sometimes hard because I've been in the program a while, but I just need to open my mind and listen to all of your pearls of wisdom and, um, and just be so, so grateful that I have this opportunity every morning to listen to wonderful people. Thank you so much. With that, I pass. Thanks so much for sharing with us, Darian. Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, my problems are of my own making. Um, you know, and I, and I know that the greater aspect of my disease centers in my mind. So I know that it's my mind that is the problem. Or more specifically, you know, my, my perspective and my field, the filters to which I process everything that happens in my life, you know, that turns me into a victim and everybody else is to blame for um, the misery of my life, for the fact that I am not happy, uh, for the fact that I am overeating, for, for anything and everything that doesn't go according to my plan. And so that means that if my problem is my thinking, I have to change my thinking. And I, I, on some level, I've always known that because I've gone to, to many different kinds of therapy, you know, like cognitive behavioral therapy and Freudian therapy. And, you know, I don't know what other kinds of therapy, like I, I've gone to so many, um, you know, more than I can even remember probably. And so the issue is, how can I change my own mind? How can I as we hear on this line, how can a sick mind heal a sick mind? If I knew how to think differently, I would think differently, but I don't know what I don't know. And this is where the steps come in. You know, when I am abstinent, 100% clean and sober, um, so that my mind is clear to um, receive, process, and internalize direction, you know, 
then the steps will transform my thinking and it will be it will be uh, it will open me up to receive the inspiration from a power greater than myself that up until now I was blocked from. Um, you know, it's not something I can do myself. It's something that's done to me, but I don't sit and wait for it. I have to, I have to do the footwork to create the environment that will make that possible and nothing else worked for me except for these steps, which definitely led to that transformation of of perspective, uh, where I don't see myself as the victim anymore. I don't see others as the the perpetrators. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a much better way to, to process reality, an adult way of process reality that enables me to deal with life without having to compulsively overeat. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, all right. I want to uh, thank everyone who shared, and I hope uh, JNS will stay around for the second hour. The share ID for today's 7 a.m. meeting that we've just um, participated in is 11,446, 11446. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Lisa B. please read that for us? Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.